he pulled up to church on Sunday morning, uh, getting ready to go in. And as, as he pulled up and parked, he noticed one of his friends was walking down the sidewalk. And so before going into church, he, he stopped and talked with her. And it wasn't very long into the conversation when he realized that she had been struggling. She'd been going through a very difficult time. Life had not been good to her. And after a little while, he said, you know what, Uh, church is getting ready to start. Why don't you come on in? And she stood and said, why? Why should I go in there when life has been so hard? How can you believe in him when he just seems to disappear when life gets difficult, when hardships come, when I was suffering? Where was he then? Why should I go in? Where is he? And the man kind of stood there for a second. He kind of shifted, really not sure what to say. And he, and he finally said, you know, sometimes I think you just got to give God the benefit of the doubt. And she looked at him and said, why in the world would I do that? It's a good question. Why in the world give God the benefit of the doubt when we're going through suffering, when we're going through hardships and difficulties? Why give Him the benefit of the doubt when we feel like we're drowning because everything is piling up? Why give Him the benefit of the doubt when we feel like we're being swept away by the world's hurts, by the events around us? Why give Him the benefit of the doubt when we feel like we're walking through fire And he seems to be nowhere. Why? Would you be surprised to know that Jesus asked a very similar question? God, why? He asked that same thing from the cross. For the past couple weeks, we've been looking at famous last words. Jesus' last words, last phrases from the cross. And today we get to the fourth one. What we've seen so far is that Jesus was crucified at nine in the morning, and shortly after he was crucified, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Talking about everyone beneath him. He then, shortly after that, saw his mother Mary with his disciple John, and he talked with them. And then a little while later, he addressed the criminal and said, Today you're going to be with me in paradise. But after Jesus said that, He probably didn't speak for four to four and a half hours. He just hung there with his head bowed low, his breaths coming shallow, breathing shallowly, shaking from the pain, and he just hung there. And it was about noon, three hours after he went on the cross, that things really started to get eerie. We're in Matthew chapter 27. Here's what we're told. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Three hours after Jesus was on the cross, we're told that darkness came over the entire land. People want to say that uh, that this is some kind of solar eclipse. They, they want to 
you know, get away, talk away the, the miraculous by saying, here's the scientific evidence of it. The only problem is, when does Passover occur? During a new moon. In order to have a solar eclipse, you need, I'm sorry, it takes place during a full moon. In order to have a solar eclipse, you need a new moon. So scientifically, this is not a solar eclipse. This is miraculous. It's a miraculous darkness that comes over the entire land. This is God's judgment coming in. We often think that uh, judgment, God's judgment, is uh, fire. And the Bible does say that hell is a lake of fire. But more often than not, throughout the Bible, we see that God's judgment is portrayed with darkness. Moses, 1500 B.C., leading the Israelites out of uh, Egypt. And Pharaoh said, no. God said, okay, well, here's ten plagues of judgment. And one of those plagues, the plague of darkness. Jesus, in a lot of his parables, ends it with that person will be cast out into the darkness. The Bible talks about hell as being outer darkness. This darkness is miraculous darkness. It's a miracle from God, and it's God saying, my judgment is coming. Here is my judgment right now over sin. And all of God's judgment is being taken out on Jesus. Now imagine being at the foot of the cross. At 12, this eerie darkness sets in, The sun goes away and you're sitting at the foot of the cross standing there and you're just watching Jesus breathe and hang there for three hours wondering when is this darkness going to go away when all of a sudden Jesus, who hasn't spoken in four to four and a half hours, he doesn't just speak, he all of a sudden out of nowhere yells, gathers all his energy and cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What we learn about Jesus, and it's your first point today, is that Jesus knows what it feels like to be abandoned by God. When we go through hardships, when we go through difficulties, when we suffer, it's easy to to think that God has left us. And Jesus knows that exact same feeling. You have a God, you have a Savior, who literally was abandoned by God. He knows what it feels like to feel like you're drowning in things. He knows what it feels like to to feel like you're being swept away. He knows what it feels like to walk through fire. Your God doesn't shun suffering. He endures it. He doesn't stay up in heaven to keep away from being uncomfortable. Instead, He stepped into human history for this very moment, to willingly suffer, willingly be forsaken by God. The difference between Jesus and us is we just perceive that God has left us. We say, here's the situation, therefore God must have left me. Jesus said, here's the situation, God has left me. Jesus knows that God has, in fact, abandoned him. It wasn't just perception, it was reality. And when God leaves you, when God turns his back on you, that's hell. And that's what Jesus is enduring at the cross. 
hell. The punishment for sin. For yours and for mine. There is nothing more devastating than wanting a relationship and yet having it be cut off. For instance, uh, if you have an acquaintance that you know and that acquaintance condemns you, says all kinds of mean things about you and says, I don't want to see you again, it would hurt. But it's significantly more hurtful if a boyfriend or girlfriend says that. It's significantly more hurtful if a parent or a spouse says those things about you. That's when all kinds of counseling needs to happen generally. When a parent or spouse says that about you, condemns you, they don't want anything to do with you, that hurts. And I remember seeing that in a movie as a kid. If any of you have seen Angels in the Outfield, it's a movie about a baseball team, the California Angels at the time. Uh, but there was the main character, Roger, was uh, in a foster home. And early on in the movie, he, he goes to court where, he has, where his dad comes, and he says, Dad, when can we be a family again? And he says, I'd say when the angels win the pennant. And the angels were horrible. So there was no chance of this happening, but this kid prayed for it. And what happens throughout the movie? The angels get good. And they win the pennant. And he goes to court and he says, Dad, the angels won the pennant. We can be a family again. And the dad says, nope. And this is the last time I'll be seeing you. And he leaves. Imagine the hurt that kid went through. As his dad said, I don't want you. As bad as that hurt, now step back and think of Jesus, the Son of God. God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons, the Trinity. No beginning, no end. Love, infinite love from eternity. And God turns his back on his Son. He knows what it feels like to be abandoned by God. If you're looking for a reason to give God the benefit of the doubt, start here. Jesus knows what it's like to feel God's abandonment. He knows what it feels like for God to forsake him. And he lets us know that he's going through it by crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But why? If Jesus is God, which he is, he knows why God has forsaken him. So why ask this question? Why say it out loud? Maybe he's not asking for himself. Maybe he's asking so that you and I ask ourselves the question, why is he asking this? Why did God forsake him? And the answer, I think, is best illustrated with this picture from fulloveyes.com. Jesus is on the cross enduring God's punishment for you and me. At this very moment, Jesus is the gossip. At this very moment, Jesus is the prideful, the arrogant, the judgmental one. At this very moment, he is the coveter. He's the luster. 
at this very moment, He's taken responsibility for your sins and for mine. And God is carrying out justice. But notice at the foot of the cross, that's you and me. And notice the blood of Jesus sprinkling on us. This is the fulfillment of 2 Corinthians 5. God made Him, that's Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that through Him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was abandoned by God, willfully was abandoned by God and forsaken by Him, so that you and I are righteous in God's sight. So that you and I are reconciled to God. We are friends with Him. We are peace at peace with Him. So that you and I stand here today forgiven and without punishment because of Jesus. That's what Jesus has done. This is why God forsook Jesus. And in doing so, He's removed that sin, that barrier that has kept us from God. That sin has been removed and now God says, I am with you always. Now God says to you, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Hebrews chapter 13. God turned His back on His Son so that He will never turn His back on you. And that's your next point. Jesus was forsaken so we'll never be abandoned. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, your sin has been removed. And you may be sitting there thinking, Stephen, you have no idea what I've done. That's true. I don't know your life story. But I know the truth of God's Word, and the truth of God's Word says that Jesus died for the big sins, for the little sins. It's all sin. And Jesus paid for them all. He's removed all of your sin so that you have peace with God. And God promises He will never leave you nor forsake you because of Jesus. If you are sitting there thinking, I never know if God's with me or not, start by looking at the cross. Because there you'll see just how much your God loves you. That He was willing to turn His back on His own Son so that He will never turn His back on you. There we see how much He loves you as He forgives you and removes that sin so that now He says to you, I am with you always. And I think it's best illustrated with this verse from Isaiah 43. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Notice what God says. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you feel like you're drowning and things are just piling up, God says, I am with you. When you pass... When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When everything in this world just feels like it's sweeping over you and you can't stop and you're just being swept away, God says, I am with you. They're not going to sweep you away. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Why? Because He is the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. 
He is walking with you. He is with you. No matter what you're going through. Even, the Bible says in Psalm 23, through, through death. Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. We think of death as the place where we have to go alone, where everyone stands around us and, and we have to go there ourselves. God says, I'm with you even through that. Because Jesus was forsaken. God will never abandon you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. No matter what hardships, no matter what difficulties, no matter what sufferings, no matter what happiness is going on in our life, God will never leave you. You want to give God the benefit of the doubt? Number one, He knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to be abandoned by God. He doesn't shun suffering. He endures it. Number two, He was forsaken so that God will promise to never abandon you. And then number, third, number three, we have hope. This is comforting. To know that God is with us, to know that the God of this world is with us no matter what is going on, that's a comfort. But if that's all we had, then we have the comfort of knowing God is with us until the end and that's over. But there's hope. An eager expectation because of Easter. Easter changed everything. When Jesus rose from the dead, He promised that He will raise you from the dead as well. And when that day comes, He promises He's going to restore everything. Everything. Back to how it was supposed to be where there's no sin, where there's no suffering, no shame, no mourning, no crying. It'll be only happiness and blissfulness and joy forever. And so no matter what you're going through, you can know without a doubt this is temporary. Even if it lasts 90 years, this is temporary. This is going to end when I rise from the dead and I will live forever in paradise because of Easter. Hardships, difficulties, sufferings come. Why should we give God the benefit of the doubt? Well, number one, He doesn't shun suffering. He endures it. Number two, Jesus was, a, was forsaken so that you and I would never be abandoned by God. Instead, no matter what we are going through, God promises He is with us through it all. And then number three, we have the hope of eternal life. We have the hope of the resurrection that one day we will rise from the dead and everything will be restored where all of our hurts will be taken away. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus asked that question he was forsaken so that you and I will never have to ask that question ever in our life. Because God will answer it, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. May God be with you as you go through difficulties, as you go through life, knowing that your God is with you. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, you have incredible love for us such incredible love that you willingly took on our sin, knowing that it would be uh, the, the result was God turning his back on you and enduring darkness, the darkness of judgment and outer darkness of hell. But you willingly did that for us. 
uh, as Hebrews says, it was the joy set before you, the joy of having a relationship with us for eternity. We thank you for dying for us, for rising from the dead. Uh, In doing so, you have justified us, declared us innocent in God's sight. And because of that, we look forward to the, the resurrection when all of our troubles will end and we will be with you in the restored joys of heaven. Be with us, uh, help us to cling to you during good times and bad, knowing that you are with us, knowing that you will not forsake us, and knowing that we have the joy of eternal life to look forward to. Be with us this week and always. In your name we pray. Amen. Part of Christian tradition is to say a, a statement of faith that we call a creed. And today we'll say the Nicene Creed is written around 325 A.D., uh, and it was written because there was a tax on Jesus. Some were saying Jesus was just a man. Some were saying he was only God. Uh, and so they wrote a statement of faith. Here's who Jesus is. It's pretty exhaustive. And so we're going to say the statement of faith today as we confess who our Lord and Savior Jesus is. Please stand as we confess together. We confess. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated.